Welcome to Talking Junk. 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 Happy Friday, everybody. We're here once again. Me and Talon. How you doing tonight, Talon? Doing all right. I'm a little sleepy today, but you know what? We're all right. We're doing good. I hear you. My allergies are kicking my ass. Hmm. But it's, it's work yeah. as usual. Business as Sign usual. Sign of the spring, though, right? Uh, fuck the spring. <laughs> Excuse all my hangers I got up here. I'm just doing some cleaning around here, so that's that's gonna happen. Sorry, y'all gotta deal with it. Excuse my not give a fuck face. It was a long week at work, but let's uh, let's get right into it. Uh, our guest today, Mr. Norman Plotkin, a cancer survivor turned hypnotherapist. So let's bring him on right now. How you doing, Norman? I'm good. Good, good. How you guys? Pretty good. Doing all right. Doing all right. Can't complain. So where are you calling from? I'm in uh, Sacramento, California. All right. Oh, okay. So you're like maybe six hours north of me. I'm in Santa Maria right now on the coast. Oh, okay. And you're about, Actually, I'm about two, about a two three days second. drive from me. I'm all the way in Florida. <laughs> FLA. Got it. Yeah. It's a long two, three days to tell you that. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Norman, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm, I'm on about my fourth life within this one. And, you know, if you live long enough, it's a, it can be a long, strange trip. And I, uh, uh, you know, I, I didn't go to college right out of high school. I went to Marine Corps and I worked in the oil fields. Then I worked in a rock plant, making little rocks out of big rocks like Fred Flintstone. <laughs> Then I was uh, I was construction lineman. I was climbing, hooking telephone poles, building cable TV, thinking the world looked like a lineman. And, and uh, the first of my gifts, and this may sound strange, but I, I call these unwrapped gifts. Uh, my brother was killed in a car accident, and it was tragic. Yeah, thanks. It was 1988. He was just 22, pre-med, and as tragic as it sounds, and I lost my brother who was just, we were two years apart. It woke me up and I got my ass down off the telephone pole and into college and I was in a hurry now. And um, I dedicated myself, you know, I, I never had to try. I, I was born with the gift. It's a curse too, but <laughs> I could wing it at a high level. You know what I mean? I never had to try. He, he had to work his ass off. And so suddenly I'm, without the guy who was part of my whole life up to this point. So Christmas didn't feel right, you know, all these things. So I moved in with my mom, started college, and I was in a hurry. Everyone else taking five, six years, I did it in three. When the uh, when the, I had my exit interview in the government department at Sac State, uh, I had 18 units of internship, and she, she looked at that, she said, that'll never happen again. I'm like, what, doesn't everybody, <laughs> you know? So I spent 25 years, started up as a clerk 
as an undergrad. I was a clerk in the legislature. Worked my way up. I ran campaigns. I was a political consultant. I was committee consultant to the health committee and the insurance committee. And then I, I got hired by the doctors to be a lobbyist. And so I lobbied for the doctors for a few years. And then I went out on my own and had my own lobbying firm. And uh, did that for 13 years. Now, what, what is, what's a lobbyist? A lobbyist, a lobbyist, so, you know, I started in government. I knew the rules. I knew the process inside out. And so a lobbyist is someone who understands that. Many times they're lawyers, not always, but they understand the whole process. And the legislature, they introduce, and there's a legislature in every state, they introduce thousands of bills, and bills just a proposed law. And they introduce all these bills, and it hurts somebody. It helps somebody, but it hurts somebody. And if it's if it's your industry that it hurts, they hire a lobbyist. And a lobbyist, I would go in and tell a story. And I'd bring, I represented the automotive aftermarket, uh, energy, some petroleum. And I, so I would bring my clients to Sacramento and have them tell a story about, if you pass this law, this is how it's going to hurt. These are the people. And then I'd go into their district and introduce, you know, members to the people who live in their district who they were going to hurt. And then it makes it harder for them to, to pass a bill that's going to hurt my guys, right? So it's it was about storytelling, you know. I, I grew up on a ranch, rode rodeo, but around a bunch of old cowboys who tell. It's a storytelling tradition, so I would, I I you know fit right in. It was all about telling a story. Public policy is about telling a story. Sometimes it's the story of decline. Things are bad and they've been bad forever and they're getting worse. And damn it, if we don't do something now, it's all over, right? So. Um, so I did that and I loved it. I thought I loved it. I really identified. I, I loved my Porsche that I drove to work every day and the one I raced on the track and my Italian suits and my big 4,000 square foot house and, and all these things, right? That I worked hard for. But it's dirty. Politics is dirty. It's about money and players. And I got sick. I had cancer. And it's dis-ease, dis-ease. And I, at first, I'm like, I just want to get back to normal. I didn't realize normal was what made me sick. The high life, drinking, you know, I got a martini. I, that's how you, you know. So What kind of cancer was it? Papillary carcinoma, thyroid. So they cut out my thyroid, five lymph nodes. I'd never let them take my, knowing what I know now, I wouldn't go down that route. But you don't know. I knew lots of doctors. This is the high... Uh, high propensity, you know, this is the, um, the the therapy that they call for. So I just went where I was told and did what I, you know. Now, if you could do it over, which way would you go? Uh, alternative. I, I wouldn't let them cut my organ out. There's a whole lot of things. And this is the journey that I began that led me to hypnosis and hypnotherapy. Power of this mind. We're powerful. You know, the placebo effect, Every every pill that goes to market, it has to do better than the sugar pill because the sugar pill works 30% of the time. Wow. Think about that for a minute. You know, you take the Pfizer drug, half, you know, one third gets that, one third gets nothing, and one third gets a sugar pill. And 30% of the time, the sugar pill works because we think. So this whole experience led me to. At first, I wanted to get back to normal, and then I realized normal was what made me sick. So I got, I walked away from all of it, and uh, I moved to LA, and uh, 
found the school. I just, the universe led me to it. I, if you'd have told me I was going to be a hypnotherapist, I'd have laughed your ass out of the room. <laughs> my, my 2000 shallow friends in Sacramento in the lobby, they laugh at me all the time. I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Because, because that they, inhabit that sick world that I, you know, it's just, it's not for me anymore. And so I, so I've, you know, found my way to this. The universe led me to it. I listened and I realized that I was being called and cancer was my second unwrapped gift. And I wanted to call my book, my first book, The Unwrapped Gift, but my publisher said, Norm, cancer probably was a gift for you. But how long did it take you to figure that out? I'm like, yeah, I was a few years. She goes, you got to meet people where they are. And when, if you're writing a book to help people who are in the middle of cancer, they're not thinking it's a gift. That's a real gift. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's Definitely a not. Yeah. yeah. So, so I call it um, Take Charge of Your Cancer, The Seven Proven Steps to Healing Recovery. So I wrote the book. I went to school. And I, I had to straddle both worlds. I, I, I lobbied for an old client that, you know, covered 16 Western states. And, and I was doing hypnosis and hypnotherapy nights and weekends. What was really fun, I'd be in state capitals and I would be with other lobbyists and I'd, I'd, analyze, I'd ask them if they wanted their handwriting analyzed. <laughs> they're a little scared at first. And then they, and then when I, and then when I nail them, they're like, oh, shit. Uh, so, so, you know what I mean? It's like, how, what do you mean by analyzing their uh, their writing, their penmanship? Yeah, how, how, I can look at your cursive writing and tell a bunch of stuff about you. What if you don't write in cursive? You got to write in cursive. That's how it works. There's a so, for the sake of argument, if I just wrote my name in cursive, you'd be able to analyze it? Name is different. The name is how you want to show up in the world. Okay. If you give me, what I do is I, I give you a, a piece of uh, copy paper with no lines. And I ask you, just give me as much, you know, the more you give me, the better I, I can tell you. And I, I can look at your, it's called graphology. It's a, it's a science. And it was, wow. They taught it in the hypnotherapy. I went to the only nationally accredited school of hypnotherapy. It's in LA and it's, it's a great school. It was 18 months, over 800 hours residency. It's it's the real deal because you can get you can get a hypnotherapy certificate in a weekend, and let, be real careful about about getting because there's hypnosis which you see in Vegas and at the county fair, the state fair or whatever. That's hypnosis, and they're in. It's real. It's hypnosis. They've agreed to do that. They they've signed up. Yeah, I I I agree to do something funny on stage. And that's real. They get hypnotized. That shows the power of hypnosis. But I, I don't do stage. I do hypnotherapy. And I I get at people for just, I mean, it's like, think of it about, it's the human operating system is our subconscious. It's the thing that keeps us 98.6 and our heart rate and our, you know, resting heart rate and all of these things. It's, it's the thing that helps us so we don't have to learn how to ride a bike every time or shift a car. This is the subconscious mind. And so, you know, you get, um, your uncle touches you a little funny when you're six years old. And all of a sudden you, you develop this, you know, glitch in your code. 
because you're now you're going to defend against this thing, and and it's and it may not show up tomorrow or the next day, but you're going to be triggered later in life, and all of a sudden this glitch in your code is going to raise its head in some kind of neurotic way. So is most hypnotherapy about uh, fixing a problem? Yeah, overcoming a behavior like smoking or losing weight. And I'll tell you, it's never what they come in for. Like a lot of women who come in for weight loss, it's that last 15 pounds that they can't seem to shake. They've been abused. And that's a, it's a layer of protection against the emotions of the outside world. And so what happens is, so there's this threat and we develop this behavior, a defense mechanism. And the threat's long gone, the person could be dead. But the subconscious mind doesn't want to be exposed to that anymore. And so it holds up this behavior that it creates some kind of hypervigilance or traumatic response. Muscle memory. It's muscle memory. It's subconscious muscle memory. And it's really hard, you know, smoking. The, the box says, the Surgeon General says it'll kill you. And consciously, I got to quit, man. It's going to kill me. The Rona is an upper respiratory disease. Mm -hmm. But you, you keep puffing because you rationalize, well, I knew that guy. He was 93. He smoked until he was 93. We all got to die. <laughs> we all got to die sometime. It won't get me until I'm old and I was going to die anyway. Like there's these rationalizations, right? Mm. And so um, I'll tell you another. I had a client. She had fibromyalgia. And all the, the all, she had, she works in the capital. She's, uh, you know, works in a man's world, the power, power chick, you know, and um, uh, she'd been in the Air Force, super strong, you know, and, uh, and the doctors, all they could do was give her pain pills. So for nine years, she took pain pills and, and then she got sick of being, she was depressed, sleeping in, couldn't do anything, pain, pills work less and less. Now you got liver issues. Now you got gallbladder issues. Like, so she's quit the pills, and then she came and saw me. And uh, and I asked her, well, what was going on in your life when this started? No one had ever asked her that. They just gathered up the, the list of symptoms that she had, and you put her in the bucket of of uh, fibromyalgia and gave her pain pills. So it turns out she was going through a tough divorce. And I got to know her. She has this tough exterior and inside she was a marshmallow. And so what she did was she couldn't handle the emotional pain of the divorce and the battle of custody and all this stuff. So she just shoved that pain into her, into her body because physically she was strong and could take it, but emotionally she couldn't. And so for nine years, she struggled with this until one day I asked her if she was ready to get rid of it. She's like, if I could get rid of it, I would have done it a long time ago. Like, okay, but if you could get rid of it, would you? Yeah. All right. And so I took her deep into hypnosis. And we did, we, we led up to it with a few sessions. But on the night, it, we took it away. I had her do an arm stiffening. So she's deep in hypnosis. And I have her put all, I get all paternal. Put all of your pain, put all of it into your arm. Make it stiff as a rod and let it go. And she's like, you know, oh. And then, and then I had asked her, "What are you gonna, what are you gonna do when you no longer have this? What are, you, where are you gonna go? Who are you gonna talk to? What, are you, what's your life gonna look like?" 
And I wrote all these notes down. Then I said, all right, so you said you're ready to let it go. Now I want you to imagine a time in the very near future when you've let this go and you no longer need it and no longer serves you. And you're going to do this and you're going to do that and you're going to do this and you're going to go there. And I read back to her all the things that she said to me. And I said, now, when, when, when you're ready to let this go, your arm is going to begin to lift and rise, lifting and rising, rising and lifting, lifting, and rising, rising, lifting, because you're ready to let this go and your body's going to tell it. And she didn't do anything. And I'm mortified. <laughs> and I sit there and I'm patient. If I was brand new, I'd have really been mortified, but I've been doing this for a while. Right. So I just wait because there's a lag. There's a there's a lag and delay and time distortion. So I let her sit and then I come at her again. Lifting and rising, rising and lifting your arm. When you're ready to let this go, your arm, because I'd already preconditioned her to an arm raising, right? She already did this and let it go. And now I tell and all of a sudden, her arm begins to lift and rise, rise and lift. And she's out here like this with her arm straight out in front of her. Her body signaled that she was ready to let go of this fibromyalgia bullshit. Mm. And then I told her all the great things that she was going to do. And it's already, imagine it doing it, see yourself doing it. And then I woke her up with her arms still stuck out in front of her. So her conscious mind could see that her body signaled it was ready to let go of this, these symptoms. Wow. And, and then, and so a week later, you know, Spacey's out a week. I let her go two weeks and I, call, and I called her and I said, you ready for your next session? She goes, yeah. She, I, I didn't, we like texted, right? So there's a lag between, so she says, yeah. And I'm holding my breath. I hope it's not like, she wants, she needs another session of fibromyalgia. I said, and I'm like, what do you want to work on? She goes, I need some damn motivation. I've been sleeping in for six years. <laughs> All right? She was ready to go to her life. And I'm like, whoo -hoo. Yeah. Anyway, see what I mean? See the complex. So the same thing that made me a really good analyst and lobbyist, instead of politicians and corporations, I do it now for people. So I sift through their shit and they got to, I'm really firm with them. I'm really straightforward. I don't take anybody's bullshit. They sit across from me and they everyone has a story. And I'm like, do you hear what you just said? You want to try that again? <laughs> and they hear their own bullshit. I call them on it. And then we circle back and we lift it. Because and so here's the thing about in hypnosis, you can't be you can't be uh, anxious and relaxed at the same time. So in your you're uh, taking hypnosis and you're deeply relaxed. I feel attacked now, Norman. That's my life. I'm relaxed and anxious at the same time. Oh, man. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk afterwards. Uh, it's the law of opposites. And so what, when I take someone into uh, deep hypnosis, then, then that, so they're deeply relaxed, and then, and then you bring up the thing that they're afraid of, and they realize that it can't hurt them, and they let it go. Bring it up. Let it go. It's called circle therapy. Bring it up. Let it go. Bring it up. Let it go. Anyway, it like people look at me like, well, what is it, is it good for everything? I'm like, yeah. And that sounds like a panacea, but but guess what? Life is a contact sport. And you get nicked up along the way, right? None of us gets out of it alive. We get these nicks along the way. And if you don't process the emotions that are associated with those nicks, you're going to, you know, you're going to have, you're going to have <laughs> some problems, right? Oh yeah, definitely. So, so I'm all about helping them resolve the emotions that are associated with those ticks, those, those nicks, 
Um, we have 60 to 70,000 thoughts every day and 90% of them are the same as they were yesterday. So if I ask you, why do you do that? And you say, well, 20 years ago, this happened. Problem is memory is unreliable. You don't remember, you'll recount the details wrong. What, you'll, what you will recount correctly is how it made you feel, right? So now, now you live in a predictable future. I can, I can predict how you're gonna act in this situation because of this unreliable past. Live in a predictable future based on an unreliable past that's robbing you of your precious present moment. So I do a lot of coaching, keeping people present. And that's a hard thing to do. Uh, I know we live in a 24 seven wired, you know, like. Always like, behind the screen. Totally. And I get them off the electronics, you know, at least half an hour before bed. And so I do a lot of coaching. There's another thing, you know, Victor Frankl, he's a Holocaust survivor, wrote, wrote Mankind's Search for Meaning. He talks about between stimulus and response, I'm trying to get in the frame, between stimulus and response, between yeah, action and action is a space. And in that space lies your power because you get to choose what kind of human being you want to show up as. We're leaking our power every day. I mean, he said, she did, the government, the Rona, like, there's a thousand reasons why you don't take responsibility for what the fuck's going on in your life. And what I say is you choose and that's where your power is. There's also responsibility because you're on the hook for whatever you choose. You want to show up as an asshole and reactionary and have diarrhea of the mouth then own it. Don't blame it on him or her, or the government or Rona, or, you know what I'm saying? A lot of these motherfuckers don't own nothing. I know. No. So no, I'm not for everybody. They blame everybody else for their shit. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. So I call. And, you know, sometimes I had a client today. She's like, she, she's like you pissed me off. I didn't have – that last session was not a good one. I'm like, I took you to inner child. It was great. You met your inner little girl. You didn't like it? Well, she had been wrapped up with this guy who turned out he was married. And she was telling me the story. I don't know if she was looking for sympathy or what. I'm like, um. I knew you. I knew you were born at night, but I didn't know you were born last night. And I was. I thought it was funny. Oh my gosh! That whole week between sessions, she couldn't wait to, you know, speak yeah, down. Like <laughs> <laughs> but guess what? But guess what? She bought another six sessions. Of course. Because it's the medicine. When it works, it works. It's the medicine she needed. You know what I mean? And so. Um, you know, so my second book, I like. I'm really uncomfortable with the stage. It 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 serves its a place. You know, it's very powerful. If you get it, and you see ten people are up there, and seven of them will go to sleep. They sleep, and seven of them fall over. Right? Three of them don't. They're like, okay, you're dismissed. Because <laughs> people say, well, can anybody be hypnotized? I said yes. I mean, studies out of Stanford say that it's 80-20. That 20% can't be. I'm like, if you want to be, you can be. But if you if you cross your arms, it's like, I dare you. It's like a person who goes to a psychic and says, "Well, you tell me." Well, you got to give them something. You know, you know, what I mean, they got to they got to hone in on something. You got to give them something, right? It's not yeah. just. Otherwise, how could you, how could you, process walking by somebody if that's how it works? Right? Yeah, yeah. So, so like, if you cross your arms, you won't let me in. I can't get in. Yeah, it's like you're putting up a wall. You're being resistant to it. Totally resistance. It's it's major resistance. And and people come to me, and I and I, I call them on their resistance, and they get a little butt hurt sometimes. But I, <laughs> yeah, 
you know, yeah. you know, you know what I mean? Not showing up for your appointment, showing up late, rescheduling a bunch of times. I'm like, wow, resistance is bad with this one. Are you ready? Yeah. You ever had anybody come to get people to do things because we've gotten so quote unquote polite that we won't let people get butt hurt. But honestly, people need to get butt hurt a little bit more so that way they can realize, no, look, you have some flaws. You need to work on them and be nice about this. Like, I'm sorry that you're hurt by it, but don't be hurt. Just trying to help you out, you know. Um, And just to go back a little bit there, um, it sounded like I don't know if like what the current state is of fibromyalgia my aunt has it and has dealt with it and my I know mom that got it. a medical definition of exactly what it is um but from what you're saying it almost sounds like it might be psychosomatic as opposed to like an actual like physical disease well it's physical their, their symptoms are real and their pain is real so well, no I'm, well, i mean like yeah. it's, it's a physical a mental thing that's manifesting physically that's right its origin it's emotional or mental mm-hmm that manifests physically, but it's very real. I don't want to send the message that it's not real. The pain is real. And so so psychosomatic, there's a whole body of medicine, a whole discipline of medicine called psychosomatic medicine. And it got a bad rap in the 70s because, oh, it's all in your head. Well, there is an emotional component to disease. There really is. There's a, there's a, there's a fairly new study of medicine called um, psychoneuroimmunology, which, mm-hmm which is really mind, body, spirit. It's a Western approach to Eastern, you know, thought processes, mind, body, spirit. It's all connected. You know, self-talk is super important because we're listening. We're listening. Every cell in our body is listening to that, you know, that onboard conversation that we have. That we're always kind of engaged and, and, but. Um, That's why your emotions are locked into most conversations. Absolutely. As soon as you feel something's wrong, your body lets you know. The body keeps the score is a great book. Uh, And and so what we do is called somatizing. You somatize. There's body syndromes. Unexplained back pain, you can't bear the weight of the world. Unexplained leg pain, you can't run away from your problems. Unexplained arm pain, you can't fight your way out of something. Like... (laughs) It's deceptively simple, and and we just, we you know, we want some complicated explanation. Some we need some scientist with alphabet soup behind their name to give us an explanation of what's going on. Folks who are de- your people who are dealing with fibromyalgia, it's real. But if they sifted through their emotional experiences, if they returned to childhood and reflected upon some of their traumatic, and you don't have to see somebody die to suffer trauma. It can be a bitter disappointment. It can be guilt. I had I had a client. She was in her seventies, crippled with all kinds of stuff, and and I you know and I pressed her for what was going. On. What what started first, and what was going on in your life when it started? And she hemmed and hawed, you know. And I pressed her. And I pressed her. I pressed her. She said, "I had an affair." I go, "Oh, okay. Are you Catholic? Yeah. Did you confess to the priest? Yeah. Did you ask God to forgive you? Yeah. I'm like then, why didn't you forgive yourself?" I want you to write down everything you've been diagnosed with and take it and burn it. Burn that piece of paper and be kind to yourself. Like we lock ourselves in prison, in this a prison of our own making and don't realize we have the key. I do a lot of radical forgiveness. It's a three-letter process. You go in a dark place and light a candle and you got your little notebook. And first letter, press hard. How could you, you motherfucker? How could anybody treat anybody? How could anyone do anything? The things you did to me, press hard, cry, get it out. 
I forgive you, sign your name, take it in the yard, burn it. Letter number two. I get it. You were just being you. Had nothing to do with me. You didn't buy it off the shelf. You know, you got you learned it from somewhere else. You didn't go buy it off the shelf. So that you be you, I'll be me. I forgive you, sign your name, burn it. Letter number three. Ah. Uh, you taught me pain and suffering, and I'm a better person for it, even though it's going to be a great comrade consequence to you. But that's not my role. <laughs> It'll be meted out by someone much bigger than me. And as a result, I'm a better person, and I'm grateful, and I forgive you. Sign your name. Burn it. And then go in and wash your hands very ceremoniously. This is a ritual. See what I mean? And you just, yeah. feel, you just feel it come off of you, the weight, that, that, that funny feeling in the pit of your stomach that you've had you've never quite been able to explain. When you, yeah. when you forgive that asshole that did you wrong, that, that funny feeling goes away. Mm. You do a lot of times that assholes ourselves. <laughs> Probably about 75% of that time. I have people do radical forgiveness letters on themselves. Wow. Totally. So you cover all bases. That's it. That's right. Because, you know, I, if you talk long enough, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to the kernels. Of, yeah, the little kernel like sifting through the crannies. Is is it? There's a little nugget. Boom. Okay, this is what I was looking for. All right, you ready to write a new story? And then that's the next step. Are you ready to write a new story? Mm. Well, what's it? What's your weirdest encounter? Um, guy, seventy-two years old, comes in to quit smoking, and. He's quit before, and um, like most seventy-something-year-olds, uh, they uh, quit more than once. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Quitting's easy. It's done it a hundred times. But he quit for a long time, and he couldn't explain this. And so he comes in. I'm like, okay, all right. So I start. You know, how many do you smoke? What brand? You know. And and he says, I got. I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. I had an affair. I was. I was ready to move to Washington. You know, I was packed my bags and I couldn't do it to my wife. I, the smoking, it wasn't about the smoking. It was about this affair that he needed because as soon as he said he couldn't follow through with it, she just beat him down verbally. The, the, the unrequited affair in, in Washington, he's in LA. She just like you, little man. You're worthless. I mean, and now he's like, he couldn't follow through on. You know what I mean? Now he's like down on himself, and so I helped him get through, build it, and go back. And the cigarettes went away. Which is well, there was essentially the cigarettes were there to supplement. Yeah, to to abuse himself, to you know puff it away, and to make himself feel like shit, and you know to punish himself. And to speed up his, that you know, his, his demise. And or I had, I had a, a gal. She runs an organic products company, and she's, she says I have a sugar addiction. I'm like, all right, come on in. And we, uh, we did three sessions on negative reinforcement for sugar, and she did real well. And uh, and so, she did the three sessions, and and uh, like. Three months later, she um, she calls me up. She says, oh, I fell off the wagon. Can you help me? Oh, you got to help me. I'm like, oh, yeah, come on in. So I pulled her file. And I was looking through it before she got there. 
And when she got there, I'm like, what's going on? She goes, oh, my mom's celebration of life. And I put it on all the time. And, you know, and it's coming up and my brother won't help me. And I said, well, you know, you said you thought you dealt with your mom's death. Did she, let me ask you something. Did she cook? Did she bake cookies for you? Did she make cupcakes and cookies when you were a kid? I said, this is about sugar. It's about your mom. And we did, we did three sessions on hypnotherapy for coping with loss. Sugar fell away. It wasn't about the sugar. It was about her mom. Mm. And that, mm. and it's never about what they come in for. I deal with a lot of women weight loss and it's, it's not the weight. They can't lose the weight because it's a layer of protection because they were abused. Wow. There's a lot of intrafamilial abuse and it's really sad. I, I got a, I got a smudge. I got a ground and clear. I mean, like I got to clear my energy on a regular and frequent basis. I had to get real, you know, the universe didn't let me get to this level of success until I was trained how to deal with it. Cause it, if you don't know how to guard your energy and I got, I've got crystals and shaman stones. And right. My wife does all of that stuff. She got geodes and all of that up on her shelf also. Yeah. You, you got to guard your energy because you'll, you'll absorb. I'm, I'm, you know, look, I didn't know what the fuck to make of my sensitivity when I was a Marine or when I was riding bulls. I'm brawling with people because I've figured them out and, they, and they're uncomfortable by it. Right. And we're in the dirt fighting because neither one of us figured out what it was about. I had to, I had to learn what this women get it. Cause they're, they're all sensitive. They're all touch. They're all feeling. Yeah, well, you're, when you're a young man, aggression is the key. I, totally. And so I had to grow into this and then I had to learn how to protect myself, my energy. And now, and now I'm, you know, now I'm in the, you know, more than 10,000 hours mastery and, you know, and I, and I, and I get it and, and I love it. So I found my way to my life's purpose. So this is why it's like I work 12 hours a day and don't even know what time it is or what day it is because I'm just, well, who's next? And I love it because it's what I was called here to do. And re- you, know, you can read Eckhart Tolle's Awakening to Your Essential Purpose and still not know what the fuck you're here for. You yeah. got you to gotta find your way and not everybody does. And then so they come back. You know, I always say like, let me learn it quickly. Let me learn it quickly so I can move on to my next embarrassing moment, right? But uh, See, but that's the key. Everybody wants to learn it quickly and not take the journey. And the journey's in learning. Well, th- that's it. I mean, you get done dirty and you learn from it. Uh, and and I understand what you're saying. What I what I mean is, let me get through the dirty quickly. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? No, 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 no. I know what you're saying. It, it it's most of us. We we just want to we want to rush through it. Yeah. I'm the same way. I want to just get to the finish line. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's a masculine thing. So my next book is going to be called The Compass. Uh, my second book was Mastermind, Master Life, and it's about hypnosis and hypnotherapy and how people can use it in their lives. The next one's going to be called The Compass. We're moving out of Pisces and into Aquarius and away from materialism and masculine and patriarchy. And, you know, we're the world's fucked up right now because we're in this massive transition. I thought it was going to be rainbows and unicorns and, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, unicorn farts and stuff. And, and, and <laughs> in reality, we're in we're in plate tectonics because... It's sea change, right? And so, so it doesn't mean um, 
it doesn't mean that we just stop being a man. It doesn't mean you wear your man bun, skinny jeans, and drink Fuji water. It means you just get in touch. <laughs> it just means you get in touch with. I had a Fiji today. <laughs> Yo, just for the record, fuck Fiji. It's a terrible thing. Please continue. <laughs> the point is. I love the taste. There's, there's, uh, there's masculine and feminine in each of us. And men need to get in touch with their feminine side, right? Because we're moving from patriarchy, duality, masculine, material uh, conflict into the feminine. Aquarius is collaboration, cooperation, uh, spirituality, um, energy. So from materialism, Newtonian mechanics into energy in the quantum field, right? It's a whole different program. So I'll give you an example. If, if in the old era, you dropped a man and a woman into a forest, she's got a compass, he's got a machete. He hacks and slashes and hacks and slashes. Oops, wrong way. She says, I could have told you that. Hacks and slashes. He's knocked down the whole damn forest to get to where they were going. Now, in the new era, same man, same woman, same compass, same. They drop him into the forest, and he says, which way? And she tells him, and they hack only what, you know, you know he destroys only what is necessary to be destroyed. So it's, it's, about, it's about emotional intelligence. That's what it's really about. It's about, it's about balance. Balance, yin yang, yin yang. Um, so it's like, don't not be a man, be a, an awakened man. Be a man, a man who's in touch. And that's just as manly. It's okay, Norman, I heard what you was about to say. Be a woman. That's what she was gonna say. <laughs> women need to be women. Look at, women need to be women. Look at the politicians, feminine, female politicians. They try and outman the men. Yeah. The, the first woman who runs as a woman, and it, this happens in the other parts of the world. They, they, they don't have to be all macho and manly, and, they, and women, you know, uh, in other nations. But here, it's like they got to outman the men. And so there's a role, and there's a role for each of us. The seven hermetic principles, there's, you know, have uh, major importance. So, because America got a big old divisible sack. Yeah. yeah, and we need to we need to have a pair of ovaries to go with that sack. That's weird, Norman. That's weird. <laughs> I just, just need a hybrid sack of ovaries. You know. Yeah, you can you can then impregnate yourself from the inside like reptiles. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I want to go that far. But yeah, I that's, that's a bridge. <laughs> really torturing the metaphor. Yeah. So your uh, your books, can we find those on your website? Yeah, uh, there are links to my books on my website. And, uh, uh, the, the first one is "Take Charge of Your Cancer: The Seven Proven Steps to Healing and Recovery." I didn't make these up. I just these are the ones I found my way to, and it turns out most people who survive cancer utilize these seven steps. And um, Yep, just scroll down. And um, then the second book is Mastermind, Master Life. And it is about uh, what is hypnosis? What's its history? Uh, what's it, uh, what does science say about it? And how can you apply it in your life? And the compass will be out later this year. The compass, now what's that one about? Excuse me. That's, that's the one with emotional intelligence and moving into the age of Aquarius where 
uh, you know, it's an exciting time. This whole the quantum field, and you know, look at uh, uh, you know um, Bitcoin. Look at, Bill, look at Billy Bob Thor's brother. <laughs> you know, I was saying he looks kind of familiar. I wasn't sure where I was getting that <laughs> in that don't, photo there. Don't make fun of my two thousand dollar LA Beverly Hills headshot. Come on now. Uh, if anything, we're, making fun. it's just up there with Billy Bob. He's a t you know, he's a good actor. <laughs> you can see. I mean, you can actually honestly tell it's a really good photo. <laughs> a really good photo. I had a really good photographer. Literally, how would you? Billy Bob is a compliment. Okay, good. He was right. married to Angelina. Right. You know, he did his thing with Holly Berry. You can't yeah. go wrong with that. Dang. You're right. I didn't even think about that. Like, Billy if Bob. I had, if I had he, half that. He's but he knows how to move. If I had half that batting average, I'd be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of us were. I'm pretty sure with that headshot, your batting average is pretty good. I, I've done okay. I've never, I've never been lonely. I, You know what? Um, as I... The the thing is when I when I awaken to my my essential purpose and my spirituality, I, I was given a spiritual soulmate, and someone someone who was very unlikely. She was born in China. She's a doctor of China, traditional Chinese medicine. I'm learning Chinese. We study the Tao. It's like, you know, I, I didn't. It came out of left field. I didn't see this coming. You know, and it's just Pretty like cool. it's very cool. I'm, I'm, I my life. You know, there was a mo there was a minute, there was a minute in the middle of the cancer. My ex-wife was my business partner and she she was the one who started taking pills and drinking heavily and had an affair with my son's baseball coach. And wow. like I had been the man, I had been the baseball coach, the manager for seven years because you're going to do it this year. I'm like, no, I'm fighting for my life and being the lobbyist and all this. Other, but you stay involved, be the team mom. Like, no, no, not like that. You know, <laughs> And she was the team mom, all right. Yeah, she was a team mom. Yeah, and so um, I don't talk about. I've already I did that radical forgiveness stuff I told you about. I did yeah. that for her. I let it all go. I let because I was emotionally wounded, and I could have I could have gone south in a big way when I lost my four thousand square foot house and my Porsches and my trophy wife and all. You know, you know what I mean. I could have gone I could have gone super south in that moment, and I didn't. Instead, I put myself into the service of others. I I mastered it. I, a trade and a craft that helps people and the universe rewarded me with a life that I can't even, I can't even begin to tell you. I'm this weekend. I'm moving in. My, my son is 16, turned 17. Uh, he's had it with his mom's drama and we're, he's moving in. My roommate's going to be my, my kid, you know? All right. So he wants to learn to ranch and, you know, and cook and, you know, now you got to get him one of those headshots too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's, You'll be a cinch for, for, for dating sites. He's he's a handsome fella, and he's 6'2", and my dad was 6'1", and I'm like, what is this, some cruel joke? I ended up 5'7", and it just, like, skipped right over me. <laughs> yeah, that's my, my whole family, too. I'm 5'8", and everybody else, my cousins, except oh, well, on my dad's side, they're all taller. On my mom's side, they're all hobbits. Yeah, it's it's the only thing I can't fix with hypnotherapy. Everything else is. Uh... <laughs> well, they're fixing that now. Apparently, you could get shin surgery or something like that. Uh, Have metal rods implanted in your legs. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna grow bald gracefully, and I'm gonna just be short. And you know, because I'm five. Yeah, hey, I got some here. You want some of this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I give you some. There's uh, enough here. Well, see, look, I just grow it where I can now. Yeah. Out of my ears and. My eyebrows and 
<laughs> places really intend what's like, all right, well, I see the efforts, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Back here on your ears, like, what is this? Yeah, what is, what is this out here? Out here. <laughs> yeah, my wife, she grooms me all the time. She plucks hairs from places I didn't even know they were growing. Yeah, see, I'm fortunate to have been trained to wear. Now I'm aware of that, but before uh, my my ex, that was not possible. <laughs> I was not real good at that, so I definitely. Uh, I still miss it sometimes. So I, I checked my nose earlier today. And I was like, "Oh my god, I've been dropping the ball." <laughs> well, Norman, we know you're you're more than likely a pretty busy man. So, what do you want to you want to give us any last uh, last minute plugs for the audience? Yeah, you know, we all have our own answers if you just take a moment. And and, and you, if you think that the politicians, athletes, and and, um, and superstars of any fashion uh, control the outside world, you're wrong. Control of the outside world is illusion. What they control is their inner world, and that helps them show up in a big way in the outer world. And so my advice for anybody, control your inner world. Get real... Get real balanced in your inner world. Love or fear in any moment in your heart space, and it's your choice. Fear gives rise to all negative emotions. Love gives rise to all positive emotions. And so I, I tell people, come up with an icon, a picture of what represents love. It could be a red rose, a heart, I don't know, whatever, whatever the fuck you want to picture love. <laughs> and you just bring it here into your heart space, and it will dissolve all negative emotions and all, and all fear. Fear is false evidence appearing real. My website, normanplotkin.com, N-O-R-M-A-N-P-L-O-T-K-I-N. You can find me there. I'm, um, I'm on IG. I'm on Facebook. I'm on all the usual suspect places. I just I do uh, virtual, done hypnotherapy on Zoom with people all over the world. With just If you can get yourself into it, I can help you get out of it with hypnotherapy. If you're locked out of it and want to get in, I can help you with hypnotherapy. That's a wonderful uh, advertisement you got there. I'm definitely enticed myself. <laughs> definitely. Because uh, she might be interested in contacting you for things she's dealing with. I love what I do. I'm good at it. And I want to tell the whole world. So I'm really grateful for this opportunity because, you know, without without opportunities like this, I won't, you know, I, my voice isn't heard the way I want it to be. And well, the pleasure's all ours. We're thankful that you uh, accepted the invitation. We do want to extend another invite. Would you ever be uh, interested in coming on a, another live show we do on Saturdays and maybe getting the audience involved in reading some uh, some uh, signatures? Uh, I, I, the signature is how you show up in the world. It's less telling than I would need uh, just a paragraph. I can okay. do I can do handwriting analysis. Um, I read tarot cards as well. I can pull a tarot card. Uh, hey, that 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 would be very interesting, actually. Maybe we could set something up for that. Yeah, we haven't I, had that done in the break room yet. Yeah, I study under a psychologist who's written uh, five books on tarot and psychology. I I you know I love hippies, but I couldn't. I'm you know I I, I had to learn it from an intellectual. <laughs> you know, I mean, just just me. And so this guy, he has his own deck. He's a brilliant. Uh, it's a psychologist, and so uh, the, I have a different angle on on tarot, and um, super excited about that. Might even, if you know, someone wanted to volunteer to be hypnotized on the air, I've done that. Uh, you know, I had a, a podcast appearance, and you know, we always pregame beforehand, and um, and he didn't tell me, 
He didn't, in the pregame, he didn't tell me. Halfway through the show, he says, can you hypnotize me now? <laughs> and when I was three years into this, I'd have been mortified. But I'm really good. And I didn't miss a beat. I hypnotized him. He had a very positive experience on camera. And it was short enough that it didn't take up the whole show. I, I knew, like when I was a lobbyist, I was the master of three-minute speech. Because they bring the buzzer or put, you know, they bring the hook comes out. You get three minutes, right? Man, I could, I could put people punch you right in the nose in three minutes and, and walk away, you know? So anyway, uh, really good on my feet. We could do, we, there's all kinds of things we can explore. Let's talk offline and do something fun. I love this. Yeah, definitely. But let, let, let me let you know that we, we're kind of laid back here on Talking Junk. We let you, uh, let us know your journey. Uh, how'd you get to where you were, but in the break room, we play by a bunch of different rules. We're usually sponsored by, uh, different liquor companies or things of the sort. Uh, this this time we're sponsored by Sugar Works. It's a nice distillery out here. We've been uh, giving their uh, products a try. So you can bring your own nightcap. Uh, we can give you the, the information for Sugar Works. Maybe you can grab some of that. We'll get the drinks flowing on camera, and we can do whatever you want. You can read some tarot cards. You can hypnotize some people. You can read somebody's paragraphs. Whatever you like. Sounds great. And and again, like I'm really good on my feet. So whatever your format, I'll step right in and dance. That sounds good. We're gonna be uh dancing together pretty soon. <laughs> so again, we want to thank you for joining us on Talking Junk. Join us tomorrow night. Uh we're gonna be in the break room as always. Thank you, junkers. Have a great night. Adios.